We are taking a one month break from producing new episodes. So we are going to take the next month or so to revisit a few of our most popular episodes. We've got a back catalog of over 150 episodes, including the old Illuminate podcast episodes for all of you longtime listeners. So why are we taking a break for the next several weeks? Well, first of all, we're just trying to practice what we preach and we're going to take good care of ourselves. We're pretty tired. We've been working really hard on an exciting major upgrade to the podcast and we cannot wait to share it with you, but we need a few more weeks to get ready for this launch and we want to do things in balance. Now, we do not want you to miss any of the upcoming announcements. So if you're not already subscribed to my weekly newsletter that I send out via email, then make sure you go to the show notes and click on the link there so you can sign up for it. Every single week, I write a personal message to everyone. I also share my latest relationship column, the latest podcast, and any announcements that are coming up. There's all kinds of great stuff in this weekly newsletter, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. Okay, well, let's jump right in, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode from our archives. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to be back with you today with Tony Overbay for part two of our conversation about faith journeys. This is oftentimes referred to as a faith crisis or a faith transition, and it's something that a lot of couples go through, believe it or not, whether they stay in their organized religion or one of them leaves it or both of them leave it. This is a very challenging thing for a lot of people in relationships, and it's something that a lot of people want help navigating, and Tony has done a lot of work with these types of situations. And in our previous episode, Tony talked a lot about the different developmental stages of faith journeys and how important it is to understand developmentally all the different ways that people start to grow and develop as they recognize what they're thinking and feeling and believing and how couples can start to really pull together when that process starts. And then in today's episode, we're really going to take it and make it a little bit more application-based about, well, what do you do as a couple? How do you work together? How do you talk to your kids? How do you involve extended family members and friends? There's a lot that changes when you're part of a faith community. There's a lot that changes when your family or your upbringing is so centralized around a particular religion or belief of you know, values or ideas and things like that. And so when these things start to shift for people, it really can send a shockwave through their entire system. Now, a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to be framed through the lens of Tony and my religious affiliation, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But this applies to anybody who is part of a religion or an organization. It can be any world religion or even just a family culture or other kinds of norms that perhaps are just expected or just part of what you normally do. And if somebody starts to question those or change that, it can really throw the whole system into an upheaval. Tony Overbay is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a certified mindful habit coach, and he's also a popular motivational speaker and has a really fantastic podcast called The Virtual Couch. And he also creates courses on marriage, and I will put links to all his stuff so you can find him. He's just a dynamic, fantastic person. And I'm really glad that he joined me 
for these two parts to really talk through this stuff. He's got some great material, some great experiences in helping couples navigate this so that they can maintain their connection even when it seems like everything is falling apart around them. So let's jump right in to part two of my interview with Tony Overbay. All right, Tony, welcome back. It's good to have you back for part two. It's so good to be back. And I love the fact that we had so much to talk about that we need a part two. I love when I get a part two. I know. I know. I love that too. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have a part five or 10. <laughs> this can go on a long time. <laughs> so, so let me just real quick, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, listeners, I'll give you the two second summary here. Basically, and you really need to go back and listen to it. Tony went through the stages, some stages of faith, some developmental stuff for the person who's going through what a lot of people call a faith crisis, but we're really trying to talk about it like a faith journey and how important that is to understand the different stages of growth and what is happening so that the other partner who's been surprised by this or who's really trying to get their bearings with it can understand how to relate to them better, how to slow down, have compassion, stay connected to them, and really stay curious with them in this journey. Because the truth is they're on their own journey too, even though they may not realize it, this other partner. And so this is, this is really good stuff to really align things as closely as possible. And so today we're going to talk about now what? This is where a lot of couples yeah. go, okay, I understand you're on a journey. I understand that you're developmentally in a different place and you're exploring something, whatever. But like, how does this play out with our day-to-day marriage? How does this play out with our friends and family? How does this play out with our kids? who we're trying to teach and try and have some level of cohesion and not confuse them. So, Tony, let's jump in. Where do couples go from here? Well, I love, uh, we were talking, Jeff and I were talking a little bit off before the mics went hot, as they say in the business. Yep. And we were talking about our brains are wired to want to orient with the the, the present by by ruminating about the past and and worrying about the future. That's kind of what we do. And so I think just setting the table with that awareness so we're right now, if people are starting to navigate through this faith journey and they are having better conversations, you know, they've started to identify these stages of faith. I think we hit on truth, beauty and goodness, some of those things as well. So now there's going to we're going to feel like a little bit of hope, but we still have this great unknown of how do we how do we deal with the kids? How do we deal with the in-laws? How do we deal with these things that are coming up down the road? Right. And so that's where I feel like that the brain, bless its little pink squishy heart, is trying to say <laughs> it's still scary and it wants the path of least resistance, which is, yeah. okay, maybe maybe we don't want to do this. And so when I have people say, yeah, and I'll give, I think I'll, I'll give the example if I have a five-year-old and, you know, the couple says, well, what do we do when they're eight and they want to get baptized? Or what do we do when they're 12 and they start getting, you know, going to ordinations and that sort of thing? And that's where I just want to say, man, look at your brain. It means well. It wants to know what that'll look like. But right now, yeah, I don't know. And that's hard to kind of say, you know what, we're going to, that is something we need to worry about. That is something that we're going to be able to address. But right now, we can only worry about what we're dealing with in the present. And the present moment is around trying to figure out a better way to communicate about the differences that we have. So I feel like, you know, if we go down this, uh, the brain wants the path of least resistance, the easier part. And and I think, Jeff, I think I might have touched on this in our last recording. I know that it's not easy. So I feel like I'm going to, I just want to identify or acknowledge yeah. that I'm going to sound a little bit offensive when I say, you know, the path of least resistance is that we can just say, well, it's not going to work. I can't see a way that we're going to be able to communicate about uh, baptism in two or three years from now. So I don't know what the point is. And that's, again, where I say path of least resistance would, would be to say, yeah, this just isn't going to work. You know, the great unknown is the what's that going to look like? And right. so- you and I are going to talk about how to start having more of those productive conversations now, because if we get in a better communication pattern now and put the work in now to be heard, 
to be able to understand where the other person is coming from both sides, then that three years from now is going to look completely different. So right now, that's where I just want people to thank their brain for looking out for them, for worrying about what things may look like in a couple of years. But right now, that's not a productive thought. It's a true story, but it's not a productive thought for what we're trying to do right now. Right. Yeah. You're trying to predict conversations that may not even look the same in three years. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I, and I think it's, I think that's important. I don't think it's a cop out. I think we have to set boundaries around this and give people Mm -hmm. structure because like you said, the brain will have its way. It wants what it wants. And I, one thing that I think is helpful for me, just when I start to get anxious and feel like, oh, how am I going to do this thing in the future? Whatever. I do try and bring it back to the moment. I try and get really mindful, really present and Mm. recognize, okay, I worried about this moment right now, probably a year ago. And here I am. Oh, I like that. In that moment, I'm here. I arrived at the place that I was sure would look differently or I had no idea what it would look like, but I'm here and I'm okay. I'm okay. Like I'm breathing. I've got options. I've got, you know, I'm still thinking through it. I've got relationships. I've got resources. I'm okay. And so this will probably be the same in a year or two years help will come, support will come, we'll figure it out. And just trying to keep it really present centered and keep that perspective because we are more resourced than we realize. Uh, So I love that. And this is where I'm going to steal that and pretend that I came up with that in my own podcast, because what I really love (laughs) about that is I, you do, I talk to people that are working through faith journey, faith crisis for sometimes it's, it's up to a, a couple of years before they even bring that up to their spouse. Yeah. And so you are still right where people say, I know that she's going to freak out or I know that he's going to just uh, pack up the stuff and leave. Or I, and that's where I, in those moments, the two years previous, that's where I say, Oh, but you know, I love, it sounds like you got a crystal ball. You know, can you go ahead and look and see how my, my next book's going to do as well? Cause then I can know whether <laughs> to put a lot of effort into it or not, but I love your, you know, where you're saying that. Cause then when we get to that point, yeah, now people are in my office and we're having the conversation and we're having it and it's typically better than we thought it would be. Absolutely. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So carry on. This is good. Okay. So, so this is where I, you know, I have to do a tiny bit of the self-promotion thing and where I have a, a marriage course and it's based off of emotionally focused therapy, Sue Johnson's EFT. And I've tried to make the EFT skills or tools a little more tangible or palatable. Right. And so I've got what I call my four pillars of a connected conversation. I feel like these become the way now that we're going to have these conversations and the way we're going to have conversations about how much we do want to talk about someone's faith journey. Because, and I think we might've left this as a cliffhanger in the last episode too, but when people do feel like, all right, now we're going to start talking about this. And now that they've identified things like stages of faith, and now that they know, all right, I think that we can, we're maybe going to be okay, that we can start to communicate about this. This isn't going to look as scary as we thought it was, but sometimes now the person that's been going through the faith journey wants to just say, okay, all right, let me just tell you all these things I know. But to the person that is not necessarily in that same place, that isn't necessarily what they want to hear. And we need to be able, we need to be respectful of that. And so this four pillars of a connected conversation is where I identify a speaker, I identify a listener, and I'll kind of say the way that this plays out. Well, let me go through the four pillars. And I think that we'll be able to see how they're going to fit in. The first one is I say, uh, you must assume good intentions. And what I simply mean by that is if someone is coming to you and they are emotionally if they're an emotional wreck, if they're a mess, if they're um, emotionally, what am I trying to say? I'm losing all my therapy words. If they are very sad, you know, they're, and they're coming at you and they're angry that the assumption of good intentions is absolutely necessary because no one wakes up in the morning, I always say, and thinks, how can I hurt my spouse? Right. So they did not wake up in that morning and say, man, today's the day I'm going to let them know about my faith uh, journey. 
And then that'll really tick them off. No, they're coming from a place of, man, I, this is scary. And so if I'm saying this full of emotion, if I'm saying this full of anger, that uh, to the person listening, as difficult as it can be, stay in there and assume good intentions that this is difficult. This is the way they feel like they have to present this in order to to be heard. Right. Yeah. This is so hard to do. I mean, we get, we get so myopic, you know, we get yeah. so light, like laser focused on our own experience. And yeah. it's hard to shift and recognize if you take in both perspectives, which is I'm having an experience. And if I'm overwhelmed, they're probably overwhelmed. I mean, we're, yeah. you know, those mirror neurons, that sense of like, we're yeah. in this dance together. And if, yeah. And, and just, if there's any part of you listening that, you know, if somebody sprung this on you, I hear so many times partners will say to me, it feels like a betrayal. Like, yeah. you know, this, this person's faith journey feels like a betrayal to them. You know, you promised you were never supposed to change your mind. We were supposed to do this. Yeah. This was the plan and you changed it. And I've never met anybody who, and I am trying to hold as much compassionate space for what it's like to have somebody change on you. And I've had that happen to me in my own life mm. in a lot of close relationships where, you know, people have changed directions. It does, it's shocking. It's hard. At the same time, I've never met anybody who's changed directions, who just did it, who turned just on a dime. To, yeah. Who yeah. just decided. Oh, no, I like, love that. And it's never happened. I mean, do you really think people are that superficial and shallow? In my experience, no. These things are weighty. They're deep. They've often been going on under the surface for years. Yeah. So that's the part we want to tap into. Absolutely. That's so rich. so mm-hmm. it is. And so you have to work from pillar one, this assumption, assume good intentions. And I want to tell anybody listening right now, let me go all the way through the four pillars yes. and just know that then you will be heard. Yes. Because I think part of the hardest thing, I call them the yeah, buts, is the, all along the way you want to go, well, yeah, but, you know, and so the person brings to you and they say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. And let's just say they say, I really am not sure if I want to be a member of the church. We'll just kind of throw it out that kind of blatant or that, you know, and that we'll kind of frame it that way. So the listener is saying, okay, I have to assume these good intentions that they're not saying that to hurt me. So that's going to give me a little bit more ability to lean in or have empathy and try to hear them. My second pillar is I say, you can't send the message of you're wrong or I don't believe you because any of these pillars, and I say that they are not a la carte, you must adhere to all four because they are all what I feel will help somebody stay in a conversation. So if somebody says, I'm struggling and I don't know if I want to stay a member of the church, if the partner, okay, I'm going to assume good intentions, but then they turn on a pillar two and then say, no, that's a bunch of garbage. I don't believe that. You know, what is that person supposed to do? Even if you think that it is a bunch of garbage and even if you don't believe it, you know, we're going to get to that. So pillar two, then pillar three is to ask questions before making comments. I basically just uh, borrowed this from Covey, seek first to understand, you know, before being understood. And it's like, because now it's like, okay, tell me, tell me what led to your faith journey. Tell me what this is like for you. Tell me how scary it is to share this with me. Tell me, you know, let me hear you because you can, again, you can do pillar one and assume good intentions, even pillar two, you can not tell them they're wrong. But then pillar three, if you say, okay, let me just get some stuff out here. You said a long time ago that you would never change. And I don't know if I can stay married, but okay, let me hear you now. You can see how that's going to, the conversation is is going to shut down at that point. And then the fourth pillar I talk about is uh, it's stay present, lean in, don't go into your own bunker. So you could assume good intentions. You could not tell them they're wrong. You could ask them questions. But then if you say, well, I guess this marriage is done or, well, I guess this isn't going to work for me then. No, in that fourth pillar, we go into victim mode. We run right. back to our bunker and we want to be rescued. We want our, the person that just expressed these things, we want them to come say, no, 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 actually, I really don't mean this. You're, you're right. You know, I'm fine. And so we have to stay present. And that's where I feel like I've you know narrowed these things down to these four pillars. But then the key is now that that person feels heard, 
Because this is one of those things, Jeff, that I think, uh, you know, is, uh, I know you do a lot of work with couples as well, that they wanted to say, all right, we just got to resolve this. And, and it's like, no, the goal is to be heard. That's right. You know, it's not to resolve. And that is a difficult, that's a paradigm shift because it doesn't feel satisfying in the moment. But what I feel like the biggest takeaway when somebody is able to express themselves and feel heard, and then now that person that just talked about having the faith, the faith journey, now they go into listener mode and now they are going to listen and hear their spouse and their spouse now is going to say, okay, this is really difficult for me and I'm really struggling right now. And, and it's going to take me a while to, to catch up. Now that listener, the person who was the speaker you know, now they have to assume good intentions of their spouse. They can't think that, right? And so now it's, now we just do that again. And if their partner says, I'm not sure what to do about this right now. I don't know what this looks like in our marriage. Now the person that had, that was the speaker can't, you know, violate pillar two and say, no, 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 you're wrong. Like we'll be fine, you know? And then three is now they have to ask questions. Okay, yeah, tell me what this is like for you to hear this right now. And I want, take me on your train of thought and let me hear, because you're right. I just put this on you and and I'm here. I want to hear And then that person, you know, can't jump into the bunker and and violate that pillar four. So I know I just made it sound so simple, but we know what it looks like to shut somebody down and to say, I can't believe you said that, you know, that's not what I want to hear. Okay, fine. I guess we'll, we'll just have a horrible marriage or, you know, let me just unload on you and then fine. I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. I mean, we, we see that that is so common in, in so many relationships and we know what that conversation looks like. So I do say in the world of emotionally focused therapy, the EFT, you do really have to trust this process that to be heard is to be healed. And that when you come, right. And when you come through a conversation without judging the other person or fixing them or shutting them down, that, yeah, you won't necessarily resolve, but you don't walk away from that conversation harboring this resentment and thinking, man, I should have said this or the next time they say that I'm going to say this. Instead, you can, when you feel heard, you walk away saying, okay, I didn't realize that they were thinking that. You know, I didn't, okay, that now some things make more sense. And so you're more apt to come back and continue a conversation than when the conversation devolved and you both were hurling, you know, things from your bunkers <laughs> trying to, right? right? So I don't know. I know I threw a bunch of stuff out there, but what, I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah. Thoughts, yeah. Jeff? That's no, it's good. Let's, let's break a few of these pieces down here, Tony. Okay. Like I, you know, there's a lot being said now about cancel culture, right? And I mm-hmm. think where that comes from is, is the inability to do what you're talking about on a larger scale. I mean, it's all, it's all interpersonal, but you know, so I'm thinking about, you know, the person who's, who's been sitting on this faith journey, this crisis, this, this sort of like evolution of their, their feelings, their beliefs, their, their compass, things are just starting to shift for them. And that's again, going on under the surface most time for years, sometimes even since they were teenagers yeah, and they're just trying to do their best or what they understand. And then they spring it on their partner at some point. And Basically, what they do at that point is now they've just sent their partner on a new faith journey, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. it's yeah. like one it's like the bumper cars when they're like you know one hits one and like the next one's starting to go now. It's like okay, and I think that yes, we're asking the person who is receiving this news for the first time. We're asking them to give the other person the benefit, and I like what you're saying mm-hmm. that the person who's bringing this, the person who's been on their journey for years absolutely cannot get so self-centered around this and be like, but you got to understand my faith journey. Yeah, They've got to exactly. recognize, no, I just sent my partner who was on their journey on a different, I just opened up a whole new fork in the road for them yeah. and they're pretty turned around. So there has to be that compassion and that space for both people to say, this is my journey. This is where I'm at now. And it might be changing day to day, week to week as they yes. start talking and influencing each other. Because how could one conversation not 
I mean, it's supposed to influence each other. It doesn't mean that one person agrees and just does everything you're doing, but it does influence it. And that's a dynamic, rich thing I think can build a lot of deep intimacy in a couple if they'll let it. One hundred. Oh, see, that's got the chills there. It absolutely can. And I feel like that's where when I was saying earlier that I know it may sound offensive if I say, you know, the path of least resistance is to then go down into our bunker and say, well, this isn't going to work. This isn't what I signed up for. Cancel culture. Right. Yeah. But you're absolutely right where this is that we're so afraid of any tension because we think that tension is going to make its way into contention. But tension is two human beings that have different brains, that have different experiences that that are talking about them. And so sometimes that, well, oftentimes that positive tension is what leads to growth. And it is what leads to being able to, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Tell me more about that. You know, versus if we're so afraid of any bit of tension in the relationship, then that's where we often, you know, we we withhold a lot of the things that we're going through or experiences because we worry that, okay, this isn't going to go well. So I don't want to communicate about this. And we just can go years, decades of avoiding difficult conversations. And now all of a sudden, both people in the relationship will feel like, well, no, I, I think I know where they're at. Or I, and, you know, there's all these assumptions being made. So then that is why when somebody brings up something different, it feels like, well, where did this come from? And it's because we weren't able to communicate effectively so many other times. Totally. And, uh, you know, you and I both work a lot with people struggling with pornography addiction, for example. And, and I'm sure you've dealt with this part where when somebody will say to their, we'll do the gender stereotype here, but to, to their husband, why haven't you, why didn't you tell me this before? And then we can say, well, you know, because I would sit beside you for a bunch of different times where, you know, I, I'm somebody's talking about it. And, you know, I the guy hears this, uh, man, you don't do that, do you? Or if you do that, I'd leave you, you know, or I, I can't believe that people do that kind of thing. And again, I'm not trying to excuse either party, but just kind of making that point of we do this by nature. It bless our hearts, you know, assuming the good intentions. But we have these things that happen in conversation throughout our marriage that we're almost making note of along the way that, that kind of say, Oh, I don't think oh, I can they talk can't, about this. yeah, they can't handle that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying it's right that then the person in the pornography example doesn't, I realized this. Right. It's not an excuse this, right? to not talk <laughs> yeah. about what you need to talk about, but people no, do but hesitate. Where it, right. People yeah. do hesitate and take longer. And the truth is, is that people, you know, if your partner comes to you with this new information about their faith journey and you know, your, your initial reaction is, I don't want to listen to this. Like, this is not what I signed up for. I'm out. I just want to slow you down and say, look, you can always yeah. leave if you need to. Like if, yeah. if you really cannot tolerate this and it's absolutely not going to work and it's just so the direction you're not wanting to go, I would say at least stay with it, listen, talk, see if you can maintain the connection because there's a lot more going on than just maybe what you think on the, on the outset there. So yeah, yeah. I just think that I just always tell people, look, leaving is always an option. Like not that leaving is easy, but you can always choose that. But this other part is totally unexamined, unexplored. You've yeah, never yes. been here before. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. I love that because I feel like that is, a, it's a, yeah, it's just a new path that, yeah. and it's somewhere and it's somewhere it might look a little scary. You're not familiar with what mm-hmm. the terrain looks like, but you may really like it there. Yeah. And I find that, I mean, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of couples through mm-hmm. the faith journey conversations using these pillars. Yep. And I feel safe to say that if people are pretty open about the process, that, that it's a very, very high percentage of people that end up with a very good relationship and even a, a stronger relationship because now they feel like they can communicate a little more effectively. Right. And here's the part that I think it's maybe hard to see is that the reason that they're having, the reason the person who's receiving this information for the first time is having such a strong reaction is because of how important the other person is to them. Yeah. Because they don't want to lose them. 
it's not like they're sitting there like having these doctrinal debates about, I mean, that may happen, but like the initial reaction isn't just because you disagree with me, I can't be with you. It's because if you're different than me, then what does that mean for us? And you're really important to me and I don't yeah. want to lose you. So I'm like, right, if the primary motivator here is connection and or the mm-hmm. loss of connection, then let's work on helping create the connection and keep the connection and see what's left. Because I believe that that's going to solve the problem. I do too. You know, I had a, uh, I don't think I've ever talked about this on a, any podcast or anything, but my wife, when I was still working for the church and the gospel topic essays came out and there was the, one of the first ones that talked about the multiple versions of the first vision. Mm-hmm. And I had been, I had been reading about that for a while in working with people that were struggling with faith journeys and, and faith crisis and, and looking at apologetics and not, and all of that stuff. So I, at one point brought that up to my wife and I still remember exactly where we were on a run talking about it. And she very quickly just said, I don't want to talk about that. And I remember I felt so shut down, mm. but I also felt like, you know, okay, I had to do my pillars here. I had to assume those good intentions and not say, wait, no, you have to hear this and, and that <laughs> right. sort of thing. And I feel like that was one of those moments where I realized, okay, is my goal the relationship or is my goal to be right? Exactly. And that was, that was a very intentional, my goal is the relationship and I don't have to force my agenda or my, my knowledge or any of those things on my spouse. And then later at some point where I think she ended up teaching a lesson on it to the young women. And I said, Hey, do you ever remember that time where we were jogging? I brought this up and she hadn't. And that's where I even felt like, okay, that makes even more sense that something can be so important for one of us, but to look at if our spouse isn't in a spot where they want to hear more, that doesn't mean that they don't care about you, but they may just be in a different place. Or I like what you said, or that might sound really scary. And it might look like, Oh, this could be the death of the relationship when the other partner says, I, I just want to be heard. And so I feel like that assumption of good intentions is so important and not having to force our agenda on our partner. And really, you know, I love what you said about slowing things down. You know, let's kind of, let's kind of take our time here because these are so the relationships are important and we have kids and we have mortgages and we have yeah. hopes and dreams. And, oh, man. Right? And I think when we're surprised by something in marriage, just as a good general, I mean, apart from the faith transition stuff that we're talking about. But I think just a good principle in marriage is when we're surprised by something to really slow down and like pay attention to it. It's almost like occasionally my wife will get knots in her neck and she'll just be like, oh, and I'll be like, oh, what's going on? And so we'll slow down and we'll just kind of like figure out what's going on, massage it and just, you know, but I'm tuning in, I'm trying to understand, we're staying with it. And there's a lot of surprises like that where the reflex really, really is so helpful to kind of tune in and go like, oh, where does that hurt? Let's slow this down. Forget what else we were talking about. Like, what's going on right mm. now? Like with your wife's reaction to that. I mean, there there could have been like, well, I'm not going to be able to finish my monologue about this thing that I, you know. Exactly. Or, yeah. honey, like what just came up for you? What's going on? And she may be like, yeah. I don't know. I don't really want to talk. Okay. But yeah. yeah, anytime you want to. Like, yeah, that tuning in, that dance. It's like the steps change sometimes. And it's like, whoa, what just happened? Mm. And we got to just, and there, and in this process of faith faith journeys and talking about this stuff, I feel like there's surprises all the time. People are just starting well, to reveal is. layers. Yeah. I would say there really is. And, and I think this is where we touched on in the first episode of the concepts of before the stages of faith, the truth, beauty, goodness parts, the parts where there are people that if, and just as a quick reminder, the truth was more around the doctrine and the truth claim. Some people will be very aligned with the truth. The beauty is the sacrament talks and the conference talks and right. the music and nature and the goodness might be, is often looked at as the people. Right. And so where you know, where do you find your most joy? I'm a beauty person. And I think I confessed this last time of 
if I sit down and just linearly read 15 minutes of scripture, I just, I don't, it's my, now I know my ADD kicks in, you know, my (laughs) something. And and I just, I don't necessarily get as much. So that doesn't mean that I am less than, but I am very happy to listen to amazing conference talks and ponder and meditate and reflect and music and all of those things. And so I bring that up to say, and then you got a combo pack of all three of those things. So when people are going through their own faith journey, faith crisis, faith transition, some people are going to be, if they were truth people and that gets a little bit sticky, that's going to be something that they want to talk about or share, but it might not be as important to someone else. And so, you know, if I'm telling someone that, hey, this conference talk, somebody said this and that really bothers me and somebody's a truth claim person more, you know, they're not going to necessarily go to empathy and tell me, hey, boy, that sounds hard. Tell me more. I will often hear that. Well, the, you know, the Doctrine and Covenants section, this says this, you know, and you need to understand this (laughs) and where if that isn't the part that necessarily resonates with me, then I'm not going to feel hurt. And so I feel like that dynamic is happening in the couple's relationship because both people have these complete kind of completely different combinations of the truth, beauty, goodness concept of what really is hard for them and that they want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So did we get through all the four pillars as far as how, what couples can do to respond to this? Is there more you want to say about that, Tony? I want to make sure that everybody's, yeah. No, I appreciate that, Jeff. I mean, those, the pillars are important. There's some other things in there that, and people, people can go to tonyoverbay.com slash magnetic. And I've got some information on there, which I think would be helpful because there's a lot in there about, I've got uh, concepts about empathy statements and because it's not easy for us when we are, when we feel like we're attacked to say, tell me more about that, but we have to be intentional and we have to really stay present and ask questions about, you know, tell me what that's like for you. Tell me what this brings up for you. Tell me how long you felt this way. I mean, we really, we, we can't just say, okay, uh, all right, you know, thanks for telling me that, but and then we want to get to our agenda. So yeah, right. I really think it's important to spend more time with empathy. And then, you know, I'll maybe jump back to one very quick one too. In that second pillar of don't send the message you're wrong. One of the things I discovered along the way of that second pillar is that that can, it's, it's pretty easy to see what that one looks like when somebody just says, Hey, you're wrong, you know, or you don't know what you're talking about. But oftentimes we even have good intentions when we're the way we say that. This is one where if somebody just says, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know if I can stay in the church. I don't know. And when their spouse says, Hey, you can, like, I know you can, I know you, you can do hard things and you've, you know, you just need to have more faith and you just need to, we can even send that message of you're wrong in these positive ways. And so we still have to, you know, drop back into empathy mode. And when I, I, you know, I feel often this is where if I say, I was talking about an example that I had in my office last week where somebody said, I don't want to give this talk, you know, and their spouse was saying, Hey, you do, you do great on talks and, I, and you're going to kill it. And you've, you right. And, and then the, the wife said, I was trying to get him into the, Hey, tell me more part of that. Right. And she just said, Oh no, like I have, you know, she just said, I told him I have violent stomach cramps. And I don't think I can stay up on the podium for more than five minutes. Right. So, you know, he right. was totally literally like saying, <laughs> totally. Right. So when he's like, no, you can do hard things. I mean, you're literally putting across the message of no, you're wrong, you know? And right. so instead of jumping in there and saying, Hey, tell me about that, you know, tell me why you feel like you can't. And if she's saying, Oh, because I don't think I can stay, you know, I need to be tethered to a bathroom. Then that one's like, Oh, okay. I hear you, you know? And so, I mean, it's not, it changes everything. It does. And so, so I feel like that one of just not sending the message of you're wrong, super important. And then again, I even feel like the body language and size and tones, or I feel like we have to watch those as well. And so sometimes I feel like people can jump in and do these four pillars and they can ask empathetic questions and statements, but if they're rolling their eyes or, you know, sighing a lot or looking over at their phone constantly, or just trying to let them know, 
all right, I'm here, but I really am not engaged. You know, that's one where I feel like that can be really difficult. And we have to kind of watch out for that too. Well, and, and exactly. And I think on stuff like that, if, if you're, if you're finding yourself as your partner's talking about, you know, their stuff or you're starting to dig into it and you find yourself daydreaming, wandering off, rolling your eyes, checking your phone, that's a good opportunity for you to look at what's coming up for you because you're probably having yeah. some kind of an internal reaction to what they're saying, but may not even consciously recognize it. There may be something that's make really scary for you. There may mm -hmm. be something that you just are confused by. It could even just be feel deeply threatening to your whole worldview or your own future. I mean, there's something reactive going on. I don't think that what your partner is saying is just boring you. Yeah. In my experience, yeah. it's not just, <laughs> unless they are monologuing for 30 minutes about one point and they really are truly yeah. unaware of how long they're talking. And then you can just say to them, I'm getting distracted. It's hard to listen. Can we take turns? Can we, can I have a turn? Yeah. But if just in the course of some back and forth, you find yourself wanting to escape or exit or check out, it's good to slow down and even just say to your partner, you know, there's a lot coming up for me and I'm not even sure what it is, but I'm having a hard time being present here. And I don't want you to feel like mm -hmm. I don't care, but I'm, I'm reacting. There's something going on here. Again, another layer, another floor down in the elevator. It's just, it, there's so yeah. much that'll come up in this process. I like that a lot though, because I feel like people do become emotionally flooded, especially when people are bringing up these topics. Cause there oh, are people yeah. that are, you know, they're here and right now there are a lot of people that are here and, you know, about their friends that are struggling or, or a, a lot of these faith journey or faith crisis yeah. situations happening. And that's where every time I hear one of those, I just want to say, just hear out these uh, stages of faith or just hear out these concepts and just know that there is a way to communicate and stay connected. And I know we were talking a little bit, maybe off the mic too, about how do you talk to your kids about this sort of thing? Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, I feel like those are things that come up for people because they are, it's scary. And so it's almost like if their brain can hook to the, I don't know how to talk to my kids about this, you know, then it can be like, okay, so I guess this isn't going to work, you know, or we need to go ahead and just pull the ripcord or that sort of thing. And so the brain's looking for these outs constantly where I love what you said. It's uh, but, you know, staying present and then slowing things down. And there might be something around the corner that is going to look a whole lot different. And so I was, I think I was uh, kind of joking with you that I feel like I am about to avoid the answer when I talk about how to talk about these things with your kids. But in reality, I think it's just a big old version of our brain wanting to say, what's it going to look like in a few years? And right now it really is just, I don't know, it's going to look like something, but let's really see what we've got in front of us right now and communicate more. And it's going to look a lot different when we get there. But that isn't to yeah. say that if someone is absolutely, you know, they are, they don't want to go down that path and then we need to talk about that too. And I can understand that. Well, and it really, yeah. And it really does, I think, underscore the need to really get your own couple's work in place and, yeah. and get to a place of, of mutual respect and acceptance and really privileging that connection before you try and talk to your kids about this because they're going to pick up on that split. And I think the split will make them more anxious than anything you're trying to talk about. Yeah. And that's, they need to feel that, you know, mom and dad are working together and they care deeply about each other and that, you know, we're a family, we'll figure this out kind of a thing. Like we're, we're all on this journey and we'll figure it out. Instead of just getting really absolute right and wrong, black and white, mm -hmm. that's not going to help anybody in this situation. And really to emphasize, and I, this goes back to the marriage piece specifically, but if your partner is bringing up their faith transition, their faith journey stuff with you, it's because they want to stay close to you. They, you matter to them. You've earned the yeah. right to hear this. Otherwise, they either wouldn't talk about it or they would just leave. 
Yeah, and absolutely. And so I think if they're willing to stay in a conversation with you, it's not because they're trying to torture you or just prove something to you. Now, I get there's always outlier experiences. And so yeah. take that into consideration. I get that not everybody's going to fall under what I'm saying. But for the most part, in my experience, this is coming up because they're wanting to stay in a relationship with you. They want to keep raising the kids together. They want to keep working this out somehow. And it may feel mm. impossible. It may feel uncertain. I think people are more creative and resourceful. And I think there's more help and support available than people can even imagine. It really is. I like that you said creative. I'm not very creative. And sometimes I'm just fascinated by when I do have couples and they start talking about, okay, let's go back to the kid example and where you really have them doing a nice four pillar EFT conversation around, okay, tell me what your biggest struggles are. You know, tell me. And people are talking about, well, I worry about talking about this topic or I worry about this subject. And when people are out of their amygdalas, out of their fight or flights, when they're, you know, when they're used to now, they know Mm -hmm. that, all right, we're trying to, we're trying to get to uh, be heard. Then there are some incredibly creative things that get brought up around everything from family, family nights and scripture and prayer and, and the way that people participate in a mixed faith marriage or any of those sort of things. I mean, there are phenomenal examples of how creative people have been, but unfortunately we too often hear about the, the, just the examples of how, how angry someone was and they couldn't have the conversation and the black or white thinking or, you know, we, and there's too much of that out there that we don't get to hear enough of the examples of, Hey, here's how we're making it work. Cause those are powerful. Those really are. Yeah. And, the, and, and I'll, I'll just say a couple more, I guess one more side point. I don't want to get too lost in the weeds here on this, Tony, because I know we need to wrap up here, but yeah, just a, maybe a word of advice as you're trying to work through this together as a couple, not to involve the kids too early before you've got your stuff together. Mm-hmm. You really want to like present as much of a unified connection front as possible. Show the kids that you're connected, you're working through this, you matter to each other. I think that goes the same for extended family as well. I think it's normal, you know, for the parents who raised you, almost like you want to turn to them and be like, you know, see, like, can you reinforce this or can you call them or, or, you know, I've even, I've seen people even call the other person's parents and say like, Hey, can you kind of like reparent your kid real quick and put him back in line, you know, or, I mean, you just got to recognize that this is a couple's issue and extended family might be a part of the journey, but I love is, I think it was Shirley Glass that talks about you want to pick friends of the marriage. You want to pick mm. people that are really on the side of the marriage and want you both to succeed. And this is going to get so polarized so quickly if you're not careful. I like that. I just said I was doing a group. I have a group for women that are in relationships with men with narcissistic tendencies, personality disorder, that sort of thing. And somebody said, uh, don't look for Switzerland. And I didn't understand what they were saying. But what they were saying was, hey, right now you need friends that will support you, that want the best yeah. for you. And I love that. I really do. I appreciate that. And man, when talking about this with, uh, and I i don't want to beat a dead horse here either, but something came up when you were talking about uh, the way you communicate about this to extended family. I think we talked briefly in the first part of this was about the concept of reactance, the instant negative reaction of being told what to do. So I still feel like if somebody is saying, hey, you need to realize you're doing something bad here, or you need to go back to your fundamentals, or our brains are programmed to say, no, I don't. You know, So that's where the empathy piece is like, hey, tell me what you're going through. I mean, that is going to lead to change so much faster than somebody saying, you need to do this. And then when it comes to the kids, I was thinking about this too. Oftentimes people want to just go and say, hey kids, you know, we need to tell you, all, you know, the person that's struggling at times or, or they're saying, I just, we got, I got to tell you all these things that I know. And I think often about, man, kids are kids. I mean, they don't, they're not in that same place we're at. They're not having the faith journey or the faith transition. And I give this example often where I had someone that was going through a pretty messy divorce and they went and told the kids, I think nine, 10, 11, where, well, if you're, you know, if your mom hadn't cheated on me, kind of a vibe and, you know, which we know is absolutely a horrific thing to do. 
But what I thought was fascinating was the person was telling me that the kid said, Oh, like in games, like board games, they, they were cheating. And I just thought that, <laughs> and it was so right. It was so wow. like uh, roughly, powerfully, badly good, you know, because yeah. it was this thing where too often we, I mean, are we trying to say, Hey kids, you know, here's what I've learned about a faith journey. And the kid is saying, I have no idea what that means. No frame of reference. Yeah. None, none. So, you know, that's where I feel like oftentimes let the kids continue to be kids. And we're sitting here saying, man, we got to figure out how to tell them about, you know, the multiple visions of the this or the DNA and the whatever. And the kids 12, I mean, they can barely, uh, I don't know, they still don't match their clothes or whatever, they, you know, and, and we're sitting there like, let's talk about these deep gospel principles. So I think sometimes I like, I think you've said this a couple of times where I think if we're finding ourselves doing that, what's going on for me right there? You know, yeah. am I just really, am I wanting to be heard so bad that I'm going to say, Hey, uh, look, Billy, you know, did you know these things about Jaredite barges? I mean, it's like, that's really, is that what I really, am I, am I wanting to you know really tell them this or am I just wanting to be right? Or am I just wanting to be heard? So just something to kind of take a, a look at. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole idea that, that one of you is on a faith journey, but the other one's not like, again, both people are on a faith journey, whether you realize mm-hmm. it or not. And just because things may feel really static for one person and really linear, the truth is, is that nobody's faith journey is like that. We're all we're all on a path. We're all on a journey. We're all going through stuff. And so I think this is an invitation to, in some ways, make that more conscious for somebody yes. who maybe wasn't, where the other person's, it's been very conscious. And again, it's just it just really opens up another dimension, another awareness that I think can be very rich, both for your own personal connection to yourself and God, but to each other and other people of, of your faith and outside your faith. Like it just, it can just make us more connected to our own humanity and introduce more compassion, empathy. I, I just think the fruits of it can be so sweet if we stay with it. Um, it totally. And and, yeah. and what are we looking for? I mean, uh, and I know we're wrapping up and I'm the worst at wrapping things up. So you think <laughs> hey, me too. We'll thing. just cut it off. Okay. Right. Okay. Because I just felt, because what just dawned on me is, you know, first time I bought a Mini Cooper because I'm a tiny man. And when, as soon as I bought a Mini Cooper, I saw him everywhere. And I feel like that whole confirmation yeah. bias of, you know, what are you looking for in your marriage? Are you looking for the C? That's where we disagree. Are you looking for the, oh, okay, look, I, we agree with this. Or are you, you know, so really what are, what they also call the expectation effect? You know, what mm-hmm. are you viewing your spouse as? What are you yeah. viewing that relationship as? And start, you know, looking for Mini Coopers in your relationship, so to speak, and not the, oh man, this is never going to work. But start looking for the, what are the, okay, what are the things I'm seeing that are good about our relationship? And we can nurture those while we have the framework now to have these conversations around some difficult topics, because you are absolutely right. It can be a much more um, fulfilling and rich relationship if we can learn how to deal with the tension and then communicate, be heard and not try to, to be right all the time or resolve. There we go. I won't give another analogy. I won't say anything, Perfect. Jeff. And I always just want people to know, look, and you know, we obviously as, as marriage therapists, you know, we're, we're very pro-marriage. We want people to work things out. We want mm-hmm. people to stay. We know what's possible. At the same time, we're realistic and we recognize yes. that sometimes people's faith journeys take them into behaviors and directions and other relationships that just are not sustainable for a committed marriage. And people yeah. have to make hard decisions and do that. So I just always want to put that that qualifier in there and say, look, we're talking about what's possible. We also recognize sometimes what is impossible and what you have yeah. to do. And we validate that we recognize that and everybody has to be in charge of their own journey and their own direction and make some hard decisions that involve kids and family and things like that. But even if you end up having to be done and, and end the relationship, I hope that you won't just close off your own faith journey, that you won't close off what this was like for you and what you learned about yourself and 
and keep as many of those doors open in terms of that self-awareness and other awareness because you know once you've sort of been there don't try and put it back in the bottle like there's there's exactly. a lot of good that can come out of it for you no matter what the outcome is no i love that i was going to do the uh, can't put the genie back in the bottle reference a little while ago and i thought man does that one sound too harsh but you said it and it sounded really nice so that was really good <laughs> That's my but that superpower, was, but Tony. <laughs> okay, but I love it, and I but I, but you're absolutely right, and I even feel like even if the relationship isn't salvageable or viable, which I understand, you, I'm so glad you said that, Jeff, because we deal with plenty of uh, yeah marriages oh, yeah. that that thrive, and we deal with divorce as well. That's right. And then, and if that's the case, then I still feel like it's important to have for you know the, the, these pillars, for example, to be able to communicate because you're still gonna most of the people are still gonna have co-parenting to do oh, or yeah. they're still going to, right? So it is important to still be able to communicate, especially if you still are one who wants to maintain a particular religious tradition or practice That's with right. your kids, then it's important to be able to still stay present and have these tools to communicate and that's the last thing I'll say this time. Awesome. Yeah. Nothing's wasted. Nothing's <laughs> lost. People, like there's yeah. growth through all this. So Tony, you're awesome. I love talking to you and this has been so great and I'm so glad my audience gets to meet you. And again, tonyoverbay.com. And yeah, so TonyOverbay.com slash magnetic is where the marriage stuff is okay. and TonyOverbay.com slash stages is where the stages of faith stuff is. And you've also and, got uh, a podcast. That's the virtual yeah, the couch. Vir- the the yeah. virtual couch, which I now cannot wait to have you come on, Jeff. So uh, yeah, oh, I'll be there. I mean, I, I'm just super, I'm grateful that we've circled around each other's orbits for a while and uh, I'm even growing a beard like you now. So if people <laughs> want to go watch. So we're truly I know, yeah, I, similar. No, I'm excited to keep collaborating with you and and sharing these these great resources with people. So thank you for the work you're doing. And I'll make sure all this stuff is in the show notes so people can find you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, right, Tony. Thanks, okay. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in next week where we will have another interview for you from our 150 plus episode archives. We look forward to being back with you with new episodes very soon. In the meantime, Make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can stay updated on any upcoming announcements. So go ahead and click on that link in the show notes so you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. We want to stay in touch with you, keep you connected, and let you know all the great things that are happening over here. Thanks so much every single week for listening. We love having you here, and we look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.